Hey everyone, this is Hovercraft Joe, and I hope you've been enjoying the Last Action Podcast and the other podcasts here at GameZilla Media. We invite you to check us out at patreon.com slash GameZilla Media and support us at either the $1 or $5 tier. If you become a patron at $5 a month, you get tons of additional content, including our monthly special called the post credit Scene. Thanks for your support, and hasta la vista, baby. Rudy the Lying X-Con just wanted a piece of pie so he hooked up with ashley and pretended he was her guy ashley had plans of her own but they soon went up in flames that's because our boy rudy was tired of playing reindeer games it's time for the last action Hey, Welcome, everybody, to a very special Christmas episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and sitting across from me, one of the other co-hosts of this show, <laughs> uh, Hovercraft Joe. Hi, Hovercraft. What is up? Merry Christmas, LPJ. Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Merry Christmas. Uh, we are sphinxless. We are. No sphinx. No. No sphinx here for Christmas. He but- called off. <laughs> but we're not alone. We have two returning guests, two of our favorite returning guests. We have uh, Corndog and JB are here with us. What's up? Merry Christmas, guys. Happy to be back. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you guys. Good yeah. to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you guys. Glad to have you back, especially in the special holiday episode. Indeed. <laughs> and um, so in, in, you know, in, in, what am I looking for? What's the word I'm looking <laughs> I for? don't know. In honor of the holiday. Yeah. We have an actual holiday movie that we're going to be doing. We do. We're doing... Uh, I mean, I guess you can call it a holiday movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it tries very hard to be a, a holiday movie. Uh, we're doing 2000s Reindeer Games. Reindeer Games with the fantastic Ben Affleck. Yeah, that's true. Ben, young Ben Affleck. Super young. Yeah. Like hot off of... Uh, hot off of... Uh, uh, God damn it. <laughs> you all right? Can't think of the name of the movie now. What Armageddon. Mo- oh, yeah. Hot yeah, off yeah. Armageddon. That's true. Armageddon, yeah. Um, and uh, so we, we we were discussing like I wanted to do this movie last year yeah and we just never got around we actually didn't end up we took a, we took a couple weeks off yeah just because scheduling re- scheduling purposes we took a couple weeks off so we never did a we never did a, a Christmas episode right this is the one I had earmarked to do yeah um so I'm glad we're finally getting around to doing it now yeah and it's kind of funny because it did come up it was they had kind of a short list of movies that they were interested in and then. I kind of pitched them to you, and you're like, "No, let's do this." So it worked out pretty good. Yeah, I was really surprised that this came up on your list. <laughs> I had J- JB. It's all JB here. Well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I guess we'll get to it now. Like, what, what, what are your guys' first, uh, first memories of seeing this movie? JB, I'm, I'm always pretty generous. As you know, as a guest here, I think I've been pretty generous. Uh, uh, with the ratings, uh, my machine gun ratings. So I, I think it'll be no surprise to know that I, I, I really just enjoy this movie. It's fun. It's not great, but it's fun. When, when was the first time you saw it? Uh, gosh, probably a couple of years after it came out. I probably wouldn't have been allowed to see it in 2000. I would have been 10 years old. So, <laughs> see, And I'm slightly older than him. However, I, I doubt I saw this right when it came out. It was also probably a couple years after, but I just remember like, God, who is Ben Affleck? And... <laughs> What is this? Yeah. Well, Joe and I, <laughs> I don't remember exactly how the story goes, but no. I, one of us needed convincing to go see this. I needed convincing. That's what it was. Joe needed convincing to go see this, and I very quickly <laughs> convinced you. Right. Well, because I, we're, we're old, 
Uh, and I believe it was because back in the day, like, when you, you had to look in the paper to see, like, showtimes and, like, ratings and reviews of movies, and they would, like, tell you, like, why it's rated R and that sort of thing. Yeah. And that led you to some certain information, and how did you sell the movie to me? With a very simple phrase, <laughs> I called him up and I said, boobies and Gary Sinise. <laughs> this is what he said. That is Sold. what he... That is what he told me was in the movie, and I was like, okay, let's go. And then uh, boobies and Gary Sinise. It delivered. It has both. Yes, which, it does. Which I'm also convinced is how Miramax pitched this movie. <laughs> well, it is a Weinstein film. <laughs> <laughs> Too yeah. soon. So we definitely saw it in the theaters. We um, absolutely saw it in theaters. I would say, I don't know if it was, it might have been opening weekend. It could have been, uh, which the release date is February 25th, 2000. Yep. Which is funny because... I know some of the stuff we'll cover a little later. That they, sure. it was supposed to come out in December. In of December of '99. Yeah, but then they they had like disastrous test screenings, so they ended up like bumping it back to try and fix it. Yeah, it was bad test screenings mixed with they didn't want to open against Minority Report. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Huh. So they they ended up redoing part of the end of the movie and then um, pushing it back so they didn't have to compete against Minority Report. Oof. I don't really. I haven't seen Minority Report in a while. I haven't either. There was a TV show, Minority Report. But I remember too. we talked about it because remember it was going to be the sequel to Total Recall? It was. That's right. <laughs> and then they rewrote it to, to, to Minority Report. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's go. Okay. Let's go through some of the numbers <coughs> on this. So uh, budget of Reindeer Games at $42 million, Okay. Now a domestic gross of $23 million, Wow. And a worldwide gross of... 32. So I'm hearing wow. huge success. Yeah, they did not recoup. Yeah, so this is at $10 million in the hole from this movie. Yeah, it was rough. And, you know, I, I don't remember really very much hype for this movie other than me saying to you, boobies and Garrison East. <laughs> well, I remember seeing a lot of advertisements and stuff for it. I Like, I remember it was a thing. I mean, obviously it must not have uh, <laughs> worked, but... No. Well, it's got a big... Like, the pedigree behind this is pretty big. John Frankenheimer yeah. is a director, and he's done, you know, a million things. Manchurian Candidate, Seven Days in May, French Connection 2. I mean, he did... Oh, you're, for, you're forgetting Black Sunday. Black Sunday. <laughs> yeah, he did oh, yeah. a ton of, like, huge movies. Now, I could be false here, but it, did this also contribute to his death? This was the last movie he did before he died. The last one that was like theatrical release, right? Right, 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 yep. Yeah. You know, and then you got, like, the music score isn't bad. It's Alan Silvestri. Yeah, which is crazy. I like <laughs> Alan Silvestri, he does so much stuff. He did the Avengers music. Yeah. He did the Back to the Future music. Yeah. Like, he does everything and when I saw that he did this music I was like, my mind was blown. Also, you know what? It's kind of fun that we're all here. He did the music for Judge Dredd. He did, yeah. And he also did the music for a movie that you guys wanted to do but got shot down by LBJ, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> don't tell me that, Joe. Well, <laughs> Another day. Yeah, Stop or Your Mom Will Shoot is definitely not going to be a movie that we're going to be having on this podcast. I mean, it, it might get done next time you're not here. Wait, what should be our next recording? You know what? Our next recording session, you guys can come back and do that movie with Sphinx. <laughs> I'm enough. sure he'll love it. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, written by Aaron Kruger, who wrote eh, the Transformers movies. Is any of Transformers fame? <laughs> uh, yeah, he wrote some other stuff, too, like some other decent things. Uh, Arlington Road. Oh, Pretty good I, I movie. I love that movie. You know, me and JB were just talking about that movie, <laughs> how it probably doesn't qualify for this podcast. No, not really. Just a good movie. But he wrote he wrote The Ring and some of the horror movies. Oh, that's that's probably the last great horror movie I saw. Yeah, the he, Ring? It's yeah, got its good moments. Movie. Yeah, he, it's good. But he also wrote The Imposter. So, <laughs> The Imposter. Yeah. Um, so this movie does have a decent pedigree behind it. It just, for whatever reason, didn't right. work. Well, it, yeah, and it's kind of funny talking about that. So <laughs> the the Rotten Tomatoes on this is 25%. Yeah. And then the audience score is 27%. So, I mean, <laughs> that sounds it, about right. Yeah, it's pretty universal that uh, it, it was disliked. I mean, really, how many reviews did JB write then? <laughs> I'm, I'm 25%. He bumped it up a notch by writing some reviews. Um, and then as far as the uh, top grossing movies of 2000... Uh, so number one, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, number two, Cast Away, and number three, Mission Impossible 2. 
Uh, and we've only done one other movie in 2000, which was X-Men, and that came in eighth. Does anyone know where this movie came in in the box office for 2000? Oh, God, it's got to be real. I would say... Wait, hold on. Because it made, what, $32 million? It made $32 mil- No, well, $23 million domestic. $23 million domestic. Uh, I'm going to say, like, in the... Th- in the twenties. In the twenties, okay. Anyone else? See, I was gonna go much lower and say forty-seven. Okay. In the thirties. Okay, ninety-one. Oh, <laughs> wow. I can't believe that many movies oh made more God. than. So yeah, as far as the year two thousand is, this movie came in ninety-one. Was it a big year for movies in two thousand? Like I, for just like a bunch of. I guess. I mean, I don't really remember some of the other ones, but I mean, twenty-three is not that much, but. It's not that much, but it's still. I mean, I can't imagine there's a lot of movies that make more than $20 million well, a year. That's what Box Office Mojo told me. So. All right. Well, whatever. <laughs> um, so should we get into the cast then? Yes. All right. Uh, so, uh, I mean, obviously the star of this movie is Ben Affleck, and this is pretty early in his career, like you said. I mean, this would have been... What was Armageddon like? 98. 98. Goodwill Hunting was 97. So yeah. this is still pretty early in his career. And he looks super young in it. Oh, yeah. He was, I didn't even realize, he probably didn't have to shave. <laughs> I, think, I think this is the one that launched Pearl Harbor for him. Oh, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because Pearl Harbor was like right after this. That made some money. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Gary Sinise, the aforementioned Gary Sinise. Uh, you know, I don't. I, I, I remember he's in Forrest Gump. I don't remember a lot of other stuff. So that it was in. nice of him to stay in his Forrest Gump costume. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what he looks like? He looked like. So you ever watch The Simpsons, and you know the old vet, the old Vietnam vet that's in The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what he looked like. <laughs> um. So all. Uh. Charlize Theron. Yep. Charlize Theron. I don't know how you say it. Either no, way. No, Charlize fine. Theron. Okay. And this was like. When did um. Uh, Devil's Advocate? No, no, no the Italian no. job is right around. Oh, yeah. Italian job's right around here. I was thinking um, Center House Rules. Oh, that was I, around here too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was all in the same realm. She had a, I remember she had a lot of movies. Like This was like when she, she was having a ton of movies back to back to back to back. Yeah, but still pretty early in her career, I would oh, say. Oh, yeah, very much so. Um, I have James Fran, Frain, Fran? James Frain, yeah. Uh, as Nick Cassidy. I don't know anything else. He's, he's, uh, he's a character actor. He's been in a lot of different TV shows. Okay. Um, he's British. He's been in True Blood, uh, The Tudors. He was in that, that shitty NBC show, The, the, uh, the Cape. <laughs> oh, The Cape. Yeah, I remember The Cape. Remember The Cape? Uh, that, that show was garbage. And I think they said that they purposely cast someone in that role that was kind of unknown, because they, they thought it would be suspicious if they caught, cast, like, a big-known name and then yeah. he, like, dumped out of the movie real quick. People would be like, well, what the heck? So I think that's why they said that they purposely cast kind of an unknown for that. Yeah, because, you know, spoiler alert, there's a twist in this movie. Yeah, there's a twist, a terrible like, twist. Like, three of them. <laughs> uh, now, I'm going to butcher this one, so you're going to have to help me, LBJ, but is it Donnell Loge? Donald Logue. Donald Logue. Yeah, as Pug. Yep. Uh, Danny Trejo as Jumpy. Yep. Um, I, I wrote down Isaac Hayes as Zook, but I guess his role's not very big in it. No, he's real. Yeah, he he's in it for like two seconds. I mean, yeah. I would argue he has one of the more memorable lines in the movie. Yeah, what is it again? His, there's monsters in the gelatin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I wrote down uh, Dennis Farina as Jack Bangs. R.I.P. Yes. Dennis Farina. R.I.P. Yeah. Real scene stealer in this movie, oh, though. Oh, 100%. He's, he might be the best part of this movie. Well, I would say so. I would argue second best part of this movie. Oh, boobs. Boobs. Yeah. <laughs> the boobies, yeah. <laughs> boobies uh, and Dennis Farina. That's how I should have sold it. <laughs> uh, any Anybody that I missed that uh, that you think uh, as far as cast-wise? How could you forget Ashton Kutcher? Oh, oh that's right. I forgot Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, that was a really weird kid. When did um, when did uh, that 70s show come out? I don't know. That was right around that time. It had yeah, been because right around that time. Because I remember, because didn't Dude Where's My Car come out in 2000? Yeah, it was right around then, so yeah. You know, and sure. I, tr- I tried to find a picture to confirm, but apparently Ron Jeremy played one of the prisoners. Yeah, he did. What? I, didn't, I don't remember seeing him, but yeah, I know he's in there. Yeah, I don't remember seeing him either, but I do remember seeing it like in the cast list thing. Yeah. So did you guys watch, there are two versions of this, the theatrical cut and the director's cut. I watched theatrical. I went with the theatrical yeah, Okay, well. that's what I did too. I wasn't sure. Because uh-huh. I, I read up on it, and the director's cut, I guess, adds like a few more things, but it's all terrible stuff. <laughs> like it didn't make the movie any better. So that's it just made Ron it longer. Was. Probably. Maybe. 
different stabbing scene in the lunchroom. <laughs> That's what I think one of them was like it was extended like death scenes and stuff like that. Well, yeah, and I think I think the the dart torture yeah. scene yeah, was yeah, one of because that was too. one of the things they cut for the to get the, for the rating. Because you know when you torture people, you throw darts at them. <laughs> well, this was rated R anyway. Why do they? Uh, I don't know. I think that they were just worried. That was one of the things that they cut stuff for. So I don't know. Maybe they were going to NC-17. That's weird. Um, you want to go through some net worths? Well, do I? I don't know. Do you? Yep. I think you do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's, it's been a while. I keep, I, I, it's a fun button to push. Let's start with Danny Trejo. What do you guys think for Danny Trejo? Ooh, he's he's uh his career has been rejuvenated in the last <laughs> decade or so with uh, Machete and uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> oh he's he's probably in the oh fifteen twenty million dollar range. Okay, I, I think he's close. I'm gonna play a little under and say like the twelve to fifteen million dollar range. LPJ twenty five million, sixteen million. So oh, pretty pretty yo. good for JB. All right, what about uh, Donnell Long? Donnell Logue? Donnell Logue. Um. I'm going to put him at like 10. He's got that Gotham money, yo. He's got that Gotham money, that grounded for life money. And <laughs> don't Grounded for life. He gets his arm cut off in Blade. Oh, That's yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know, $5 million? Yeah, I'm going to add to that a little bit. You know, every time the Patriot plays on TNT, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's $6 million. Uh, $3 million, so. Okay. Oh, wow. He spends his money. All right. What about Charlize Theron? She's making bank. Yeah. I, I bet she's like 120 Okay. Well, I mean, she hacked into all everything in Fast Eight, so <laughs> and she's I, got those Bud commercials now. Yeah, a hundred thirty. I don't know. What do you think, JB? Go, uh, for no specific reason, sixty-nine. A <laughs> hundred and sixty million Ooh, for her. So she's making bank. What about Gary Sinise? Oh man, Lieutenant Dan. Does he still have any stock in Bubba Gump? <laughs> I'm gonna put him at. I'm gonna say fifteen. Wasn't he on one of the CSI shows? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go 20 with Gary Sinise. All right. JB? Oh, he's probably 35. Oh, close. Uh, you're the closest. 40 million for Gary Sinise. Really? All right, good for Gary Sinise. Good for him. And, and yeah. then finally, Mr. Ben Affleck himself. Mm. Oh, boy. Ben Affleck. I'm going to put him at 250. I bet he still wishes he has Bruce McWayne money. <laughs> but, yeah, I think you're close with the 250. I'm going to say 200. Okay. JB? Yeah, I, I was going to agree with you. 200. You guys are all a little high. 130 million for him. Wow. wow. Less than Charlie's Theron. Yeah, yeah, That's right. Re- rehab costs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Sphinx is not here, but I did I did look up taglines for this. So Oh, I don't remember. Is there sound for taglines? Uh, I think there is, but then he didn't like it, so I think it got cut. So right, there's no sound. Then. And I can only, there was only one apparent tagline for this. Should I try and read it in like a tagline voice? I mean, you can. So. If you, one of us should. The trap is set. The game is on. That's it. That's so stupid. <laughs> it has no bearing on this movie. No. Well, well yeah. I'm in Reindeer Games. The game is on. It's dumb. That was the only one. I looked a couple places. So. It's about as good as this movie is. They wrote that and they were like, we got it. <laughs> it's a real winner here. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so where do we start with this? The Well, uh, going through the plot, I guess, right? So yeah, so that so it starts with, it starts with that dumb thing that I hate when movies do, where it starts. Uh, it, sometimes it works effectively. I feel like it's pointless in this one, where it starts at the end. It show or close to the end. It shows us all the bodies of like dead Santas. Yep. But and you get the Ben Affleck voiceover, which was gonna be my comment. I, I think our establishing shot is Santa lying dead in the snowbank. Yeah. Yeah. They show you all the dead Santa bodies, and he's doing, like, a voiceover. I don't even remember what he's saying in the voiceover. Uh, but then after that, you cut to, like, the six days before, and it flashes back. Yeah. And like I said, I don't think it's a... Some movies use that kind of tool well, like, effectively. Well, like John Wick did a great job with it. Right, but I I, I, I don't know why it's in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just cliche for cliche at this point. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent. So we cut back to six days before. We're at the Iron Mountain Maximum Security prison which is we should say this movie takes place in the upper peninsula of michigan yeah where, where iron mountain is right but it was filmed in british columbia that is correct uh vancouver and some someplace else in british columbia so yeah i don't remember exactly where but yeah, yeah. so um so we're introduced to uh rudy <laughs> i don't remember rudy's last name Did rudy they... duncan okay so rudy he's he's serving some time he was a, a hard five for a, grand a theft, theft auto. auto right 
Uh, and, a hard five. And we're introduced to his cellmate, Nick Cassidy, uh, who we were told he like murdered someone, but it was like in self defense or like the it's the Con Air murder. Yeah, like yeah. to protect his girlfriend or something like that, right? And they're like they're they're excited because they're both going to be getting out in like a day or two. I can't remember exact timeline. Two days. Two days. Yep. Uh, and Nick has been like writing. He's been like kind of like pen pals, but writing letters to this girl, this girl Ashley, and they're like in love. And she keeps sending him all these pictures, and he has the pictures all on the wall of his cell, and <laughs> and, and reading the letters to Ben Affleck and all the stuff, and about how like he gets out and they're gonna be together. And but all Ben Affleck, all he wants to do is he just wants to go home. He wants to eat a home cooked meal. Watch football with his pops. Yeah, he he says something like, "I want to eat leftovers for, for six, six months." months. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. seems not very practical. Uh, no leftovers are going to last that long. Yeah, and especially not. I mean, it's not Thanksgiving. We're talking about Christmas. Yeah, and he wants some pecan pie. Oh yeah, some boy, does he want some pecan pie? <laughs> some fucking pecan pie and a hot chocolate. <laughs> yeah. So um, they're they're talking about getting out, and there's something where there's there's a um. This plot point where there's a guy in prison with a name Alamo, who's this big guy, who like got I, I think it's like he got sent to solitary confinement and he thinks that Ben Affleck was the one that ratted on him and got him sent to solitary confinement. Right. Yeah. So he's like out to get him. So they're <laughs> so they're having lunch or dinner. I don't know what it is. But a that's meal. A, a meal in the in the prison like uh cafeteria. And that's when you get Isaac Hayes and he starts freaking out about the uh the, the cockroach. The co- cockroaches in the jello. Yeah, bugs monsters. In, monsters in the gelatin. And there really are cockroaches in the gelatin. But I don't know how they missed that. Yeah. How, how did they get served <laughs> the slop? Like, I think they just did it on purpose. I think that's that's what you're you're supposed to. Yeah, I think the believe. cook. I think the cook was like an asshole, so they did it because well, they hate they, him. They established that when his cellmate says, "You're going to be serving this shit. We're going to be eating London broil." <laughs> is it a little? I- is, is it a little ironic that Isaac Hayes was in a cafeteria? <laughs> Chef. <laughs> Was this was this Winnie was chef? I think this is pre it's uh, be, Scientologist. It's gotta be pre. Okay. Um. So anyway, so this this because of like Isaac Hayes freaking out, this whole riot breaks out in the cafeteria. People are beating up guards and throwing Jello and all this stuff. And that's when Alamo comes to like attack Ben Affleck or Rudy. Uh. But like Nick pushes him out of the way and he gets stabbed. He gets shivved. He gets shivved. Yeah. And dies. Well, that's allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Didn't look like a very fatal knife wound to me either. <laughs> I wasn't very convinced. Well, he was bleeding a lot, though. Um, so uh, Rudy's all tore up about this. He gets out of jail like the next day, and he's really sad. And he sees uh, Ashley there waiting for Nick outside the prison. And he like gets on the bus like he's going to leave, but he keeps looking at her, and he's like, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And then he's like, ah, whatever. So he gets out of the bus, and he's like, oh, hey, I'm Nick, because you know she doesn't know what he looks like. Well, does he say he's Nick right away, or... He doesn't. I think she kind of assumes. She just kind of assumes he's Nick. Well, yeah, I guess because he's like, "Oh, are and you Ashley?" Like, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, I, uh, I'm totally Nick." Yeah, because they have that awkward silence at the diner. They right. Have to clear the air. Yeah, because he thinks he, feel, he was about to leave. Because he feels. I think he feels. At first, he feels bad that he's that that Nick died protecting him. Right. And then at the same time, you know, he probably secretly fell in love with with Ashley from hearing the stories from Nick. Right, now, he probably just also wants to get laid. Yeah, probably. He just, <laughs> he just really wants the some power pie. of his boner was strong in that scene. <laughs> because the next note I have does say bone zone with a big exclamation point. Because they go to a hotel and they... He knocks over the TV, the tube yeah, TV. Yeah, that is he... like, that is the <laughs> roughest sex I've seen in a movie in a while. That is... They're, yeah, they're all over that hotel room, which like... <laughs> and this is something like, we we talked about it briefly, me and JB and Corndog. You know, we work together. And, I, and when we were watching it, I texted him and I just said, this movie just looks dirty like it doesn't look nice at all and i know that they were probably going for that a little bit but it just looks ugly like the whole movie and that's the weird thing like like the composition of shots like where things are positioned in the frame it's shot really well yeah but everything does look really grungy and gross. Which yeah. is like, I, to a certain extent, I, I, I figure that's probably what they were going for, but it just it's sure. not pleasant to look at. Yeah. Their, their hotel, it just appears like every roadside motor lodge you've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not like a pure Michigan commercial. It does not make <laughs> you want to go vacation there. No, it does no. not. Although, it, although this movie would have been improved with Tim Allen uh, voiceovers. <laughs> but, I, you know, I think, I mean, here's one thing I will give a compliment. I mean, it does, like, it seems like they are in the Upper Peninsula. Like, it I does think look they do like a pretty it, yeah. good no job. Doubt. 
of like, I mean, like you, it's it's believable. It's not like some movies where they're like, oh yeah, this is in Detroit, and it's like obviously not. You but know? one question: Do they let you know that it's Christmas time? Oh my gosh, this movie beats you over the head with the fact it's Christmas. There are so many Christmas songs in this movie; it's insane. Yeah, it's bad. It's like. It's like a fucked up Hallmark movie. <laughs> well, and then imagine watching it in February. It's like, you've had enough of the holidays at that yeah, point. That's uh-huh. the crazy part is that they were like, oh, we got this movie, Reindeer Games. It's full of Christmas music. We'll have it come out in December. Jackpot. And then they're like, oh, the test screenings were so bad that we have to bump it back two months and have it come out in February. I think that would have hurt. They probably still should have had it come out in December just to get the Christmas crowd. Oh, yep. 100%. It's it's insane that it was like came out two months later, but did they change anything? Uh, well, I I don't remember exactly what it said. Hold uh, on, I, I I heard they scaled back the initial hotel sex scene and the interrogation with dart scene. They, oh, the hotel sex scene bar fight. <laughs> yeah, that's what it seemed like. <laughs> they they cut out twenty minutes of the film before, so like All after right. that test. Oh, screening, so that's a director's cut. They the cut out twenty, 20 minutes. minutes because of the poor test screenings, and they said because of MPAA objections. All right. So like after so the test screenings were bad and they had objections, so then they went back and cut because of that cutting the twenty minutes, that's what delayed it for two months. Oh, all right. But like I said, it kinda ruined when you have a movie that's all about Christmas and yeah, you have it coming out in February. Christmas. Yeah, exactly. So um so they like I said, they're in the hotel room, they're in love, blah blah blah. That's when we're introduced to Gary Sinise, who comes in as Gabriel, who's Ashley's brother. I'm doing air quotes you can't see. And his gang, which is Danny Trejo and the guy's name I can't say. Donald Lowe. Jumpy. <laughs> yeah. And then the Pug. other the other guy in the gang, I can't remember. The, the guy that's eating all the cookies. Yeah, the guy that eats all the cookies in the room. So they um they think he's like this is where the main plot point of this movie is is that they think he's Nick he insists he's not Nick and that is like the next like half hour of the movie basically right yeah it's it's him telling the truth and denying that he's Nick and them not believing him right which is basically all of the interactions between Gary Sinise and Ben Affleck is I'm Nick I'm not Nick <laughs> I'm going to kill you I'm not going to kill you <laughs> Kind of back and forth for the next 35 to 40 minutes. Yeah, it's real weird. And, and I mean, you, you eventually find out that his gang, they're just a bunch of truckers. Right. Well, they're they, not even criminals. Well, well they, they run gun runners. They're gun yeah. runners. But, yeah, they're just truckers who are looking to pull a job. Because, first of all, let's not skip over the fact that it's right about this point where what, what does Gary Sinise say to Ben Affleck? Well, a convict. Don't go playing any reindeer games on me. And yeah. at that point, I'm ready to just be done. Yeah, I, I my note says, uh, don't play no reindeer games with me. Ugh. Yeah, it, yeah, it was not great. So the, the reason this is happening is because Nick, the real Nick, worked at this casino up north, the Tomahawk. Yep. And they want to rob the casino. So they're like, well, we can use... He was a, a security guard there. Nick was. So they're like, we can use this inside knowledge to tell us all about the guard routines, where everything is, and we'll be able to rob this casino better on Christmas Eve because that's when they send all the guards home and it's there's nobody there. That's like their big plot, right? That's the plan, at least. And because apparently Nick had been writing about this to Ashley in the letters that he was sending her. Right. About that, how he worked at the casino and all this stuff. And we'll do, we'll do like a macro thing about how the plot of this movie does yeah. not make sense at all. Right. But let's just kind of finish going through it. <laughs> so he wants to know everything about the casino. You know, he wants to tell him all this stuff. Which, it's convenient that that one point when, they, when he first gets in the hotel room with Charlie Theron, he flushes his license. It worked out well for him in that room. <laughs> how, how's that going down the toilet? Upper Peninsula plumbing, that's <laughs> never going to happen. And yeah. why flush it? Why, yeah, why, well, so because he's like, well, I don't want her to find out I'm not Rudy or not well, Nick. It, it was at that point he was kind of, kind of fighting his morality. Like, should I tell her? Should I not? I'm gonna flush my ID and just pretend to be this guy, and it, it worked out for him, I guess. Very. <laughs> <Bury it laughs> what, what was the long game there? I don't know. He well, well he, he, he said he was gonna be done after the holidays. Yeah, I think he said he's like he's like, oh, I'll give her the holidays and then I'll tell her the truth, you know, because like she was so happy. He's like, oh, oh I see. Which is so but, he but, really wanted a piece of pecan pie, right? Because that's where we get to the point where he's finally like, okay, yeah, I'm Nick, and this back and forth, and he's like, but he's like, I really want this hot chocolate and this pecan pie. So he makes him like take him to a diner to have it, which he eats yeah. with his bare hands, by the way. You know, you've been in prison for five years, doing a hard fight. <laughs> and then they show him, like, the map of the casino, and he, like, goes, he's like, oh, this isn't how I remember it at all. They must have changed it. Like, this stuff wasn't here, and this is where this was. So he kind of, like, 
bullshits his way through it. Can we it. talk about how unconvincing he was? He was very unbelievable. Oh, yeah. He's so unbelievable. And Gary Sinise is, is just like, oh, yeah, hey, you're right. They probably did do that. Now, yeah. was that before or after Danny Trejo pitched his idea for Christmas 2? That was after, I think. Because I do have a note that says Christmas 2, LOL. <laughs> um, so he's like, well, yeah, he's like, maybe if you get me inside the casino, I could figure out like the how it's set up. But he's like, I don't think you'll be able to get me in. They'll recognize me. But they do get him in, right? Because they dress him up as a cowboy. Well, it was that or what? A ballerina. A ballerina, okay. yeah. So they um, they go into the casino, and that's when we're first introduced to Dennis Farina as Jack Banks, who is great. Like, again, as we said before, he's my favorite part of this movie. Farina's great in every movie. Jack, yeah. Jack, totally, yeah, totally not racist at all. Oh, no, my note says Jack Banks is great, but also kind of racist. Because they introduce him talking to the like Native Americans who go in the casino, and he's... Yeah, he's not great. No. He's like, oh, you got to do a little dance and get rid of the snow. That's not not how this works. Um, And he keeps talking about, he's like, oh, I don't know why I left Vegas. Like, we don't really get his full story. It's kind of implied that he was a shitty casino manager in Vegas and he got demoted to northern Michigan. Yeah, this casino, which, like, the casino is like, (laughs) (laughs) because the the money they must have spent on the set, it's so bad. The casino, it's so small. It's very very tiny. It's like the size of a high school gym. Let's say it kind of looks like a vacated, like department store it does it really does look like a vacated department store like i get i mean like not all casinos are vegas casinos but even like the one that we've been to in like potassi is like which is pretty far north of michigan until you get to the upper peninsula but it's i mean it's a big casino i mean this one is like one room yeah it's really small i mean there's yeah it's literally one room i mean you guys (laughs) you guys are casino experts right no (laughs) i yes Yeah, but, gosh, it's weird seeing people put coins in a slot yeah, machine. Everything's a, a coin-operated slot machine, and there's one staircase to a closeted room. Well, yeah, and don't forget, yeah. when, he, when he's talking about the casino, that's when he tells him about the powwow safe. He's like, oh, yeah, he's got the special safe in the, in the manager's office. It's the powwow safe. That's where he keeps all the good stuff. Because he's, uh, I think the story he gives him is that he's embezzling money. <laughs> yeah, something like that, right? Something, yeah, something really, like he's got, like, didn't he say he had like five million dollars or something yeah, in the safe? Yeah, I think he yeah. does. Yeah. So they go. They dress him up as a cowboy. He goes to scout out the inside. That's when we get the Aston Kutcher scene because he sees Aston Kutcher. He kind of has the same facial hair as him. So he follows him to the bathroom. He's like, "Hey, I'll give you a hundred dollars to wear this like jacket and hat." So he does. But then they like chase after him because he tries to leave. Aston Kutcher does right, and like Ben Affleck takes off out the back door. Yeah, that's that's not a bad scene to me. See, that's that's actually not a bad part of the movie. No, that makes sense. Um, c- yeah. You know, when when uh, um, the guy asks the waitress, you know, when was the last time you did the upgrades, and figures it out. But uh, yeah, I mean that that's not bad. Yeah, when they kind of figure out, and then they then they chase after him into the woods because he runs out the back door to the one road. Could have went anywhere else. Yeah, and they, he runs into the one road where Gary Sinise and uh, Charlie's there and are in the car. It's like, how did he end up in that one spot where they were? Just the frozen lake. Because then she, like, she kind of saves him by turning the wheel, and they're like, oh, and they both run out into the frozen lake together. But they're, like, shooting at him, and then they both, I think they both fall into the water. Which I mentioned No, you, she falls in, and then he jumps in after her. Oh, that's to right. Safer, which I mentioned to you is, uh, I yeah. found out, is actually a Frankenmeyer, um... He, apparently in all of his movies, he needs to have a scene of people falling under the ice. Yeah. Really? It, I, I read that. It yeah. does say that it's like a director trademark is that he has uh, people falling through ice in his movies. Weird. It's something that apparently, maybe not in that one that takes place at the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers definitely Stadium. Definitely not in Black Sunday. <laughs> kind of like a Rennie Harlan feet thing, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, but supposedly that's a director trademark is falling through ice. All right, fair enough. So yeah, so she falls through the ice. He goes in and saves her. Um. Then they like they get him out and they they kill that random guy ice fishing. Well, they right? imply they kill the ice fisherman. Well, that was actually part of the twenty minutes they cut. Oh, really? So in the in the additional footage, Gary Sinise is actually shoots the ice out from under the guy. Oh, okay. And he drops into the water, and then they just leave him. Oh, okay. But there's a news report inside the motel that uh, says there's a missing uh, <laughs> right. Man, oh, so you're getting to the motel to scene, Joe. Please. Uh, <laughs> well, and I do want to say this because one thing, and I don't know how you guys felt about this, but like. I have a note here, and I'll bring it up now, but Gary Sinise in the movie is not threatening, right? No, like he's not, supposed at all. To be, not at all. I mean, he looks a little jacked, but other than that, he's like he's supposed to be this tough, like, imposing guy, and the whole time I'm like, he's just not, I just did not buy him in this, like, heavy, tough guy role. Again, I, I still just see post-Vietnam Lieutenant Dan <laughs> every time I see him. I agree. It, he really looked like that in this movie, too. Did, did he work for you, JB? 
Gary Sinise? Uh, you know, yeah. He, I mean, he's Lieutenant Dan on <laughs> New Year's Eve. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's where that's where we get the dart scene where they're again interrogating him about being Nick and about why didn't he know how the casino is and why did he lie about the casino and he's throwing the darts at him and he's missing and he's like then he, I think that's when he's like oh just I'll tell you the truth just like stop like don't try to hit me and he's like oh I have been trying to hit you and then he does throw yeah, he some throws darts a into couple him. darts into his shoulder which again I, I feel like throwing darts is. Not a very effective way to torture someone. Yeah, it might hurt, but I, I feel like there's far better ways to inflict pain on someone. <laughs> so then he's like, okay, this is one of my least favorite things. He's like, okay, I'll tell you the truth about the casino. And again, when he's supposedly telling him the truth about the casino, it's so obvious that he's lying and making stuff up. I don't know why they believe him when it, when they're in the back of the truck and he's like, oh yeah, there's like uh, you go, there's like the stairs and, and then up there is like the guard. It's like, it's so obvious that he's making it up, right? Oh, 100%. Uh, at no point was that convincing. Yeah, they've never done a robbery before, though. Yeah, they're just so gun runners. They, 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 they drive the least inconspicuous semi-truck in oh, the United God. States. <laughs> What's it say? Motor, like the Motor City, City Monster. Monster. Yeah. So their their big thing is like they reveal they're like, oh, we're going to, we have the perfect disguises. It's Christmas Eve. We're all going to wear these Santa suits when we go rob the casino, right? Um, so that's when like they kind of leave him in the hotel room. He's chained to the bed, but he gets free. And he gets out the window and he climbs down, but like he doesn't escape because I think at this point he's still trying to save. He's like he he loves Charlie's there and he wants to save her, right? Is that why he doesn't? Uh, take yeah, off he right that's kind of his motivation. She's in danger, and because yeah, because he he, bra- he breaks into a truck and he thinks he's gonna be able to find a gun, right? But he doesn't. He finds a knife, which comes back later. But he he ends up like. But I think that's why he doesn't leave, just take off, because he's like, oh, I gotta save her. Because yeah, because at that point he believes that she's in he's, she's in danger. Right, so he goes back in, he's trying to get back to the room. That's when, like, twist number one of the movie is revealed, which is that Gary Sinise and Charlie Theron aren't brother and sister, they're actually, like, lovers, because they're in the pool, this dirty hotel pool, making out. Yeah, and yelling about their plan at the top <laughs> of their lungs. Nobody can hear this. In this hotel, which I'm convinced had all five of the robbery cast only staying at it. I think you're right. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, so they're, they're, you're right, they're super loud talking about their plans, and he's just kind of standing in the wings, listening to all this, and he's like, oh shit, I guess he finds out the truth, but then he still doesn't leave. Yeah, I don't care why he doesn't leave. And he's like, I gotta make it back to the room, and it's like this crazy, like, it's supposed to be very, like, tension-filled, where he's trying to get back to the room before they do, but I'm like, I refuse to believe that there's not more places to hide in this hotel, that he's like... I don't know. It just it didn't work for me, the tension of him trying to get back to the room. He had every opportunity, both at the casino, to tell Dennis Farina or anybody, yeah. run anywhere else but back to danger. Yeah, I feel like he definitely could have got out of that the hotel. The good news is, though, he can hotwire a hotel door. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, with that knife. With the knife. <laughs> he doesn't have the card to get back in the hotel room, so he just, like, pops open the top of the electronic lock and just, like, do-do-do-do-do-do with the knife, and it goes, and like, it yeah, turns it's just green. Like a car. It turns green, and he gets in, and then somehow when Danny Trejo shows up to check out him, the lock still works, even though he popped the top off and was, like, going at it with a it's knife. It's cool, because he was playing solitaire on the floor, so you know he didn't leave. Oh, plus, he slammed the door. Hey, who's slamming doors? Like, <laughs> why are you slamming the door? Um, so now we get to the climax in the movie. They're going to rob the casino. They they don't give him a real gun. They give him, like, the... the <laughs> rum the mo- gun. The, the yeah, rum gun. They gave him a squirt gun, but it's the realest looking squirt gun I've ever seen in my life, right? It is pretty pretty real looking. So they give him the gun, um, uh, and they're like, I-, I think they throw in something at this point where they're like, oh, he can't go to the police because he's out on parole. So he's like, I can't try. And-. They throw that in just, I think, so everyone's not like, well, why didn't he just leave or try and tell somebody because he's right. afraid. Mm. So they're driving the casino, yeah, and that's when he puts the the rum, the alcohol, in the squirt gun. So it's like, all right, that's going to come up later, right? Uh, <laughs> so they go in the casino and they're... And he, hold on, and he looks so stupid squirting it in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he played it off well. <laughs> so that's when they go in the casino, and his job is to create a distraction. So he gets all fired up about this guy he's playing blackjack with. Uh, yes, the guy was stealing his cards, the old man at the blackjack yeah. table. So he like flips, he like flips over the table and starts freaking out, and that's like when the robbery starts going down, and basically shit hits the fan at this point. Yes, because all this fake information that he told them ends up like <laughs> really screwing them over. Because he's like, oh yeah, none of the guys in the money room have guns, but then they get the money room open, and there's just dudes. 
shotgun and they blow uh, what's his name away. Donald Logue is gone. Yeah, really he, quickly. Pug. He just, yep. See yeah. a pug. He just gets wasted with a shotgun blast of the chest. Um, <laughs> like, then the cops show up. <laughs> Two and cops. Two cops show up in the casino. Just screaming. Yeah, like, Jamie, what, you, what, what, what were they yelling what when they, they showed up? Like, ah, they're just pointing <laughs> the guns at everybody. I mean, you would think Uber cops are probably <laughs> pretty badass, but these guys were not. But it but it doesn't matter because then Charlie's there and drives the, the car into the casino and runs them both over. <laughs> Perfect timing. Yep. And then, so then they go up, because they're like, he's like, Gary Sinise, they have all the money, but he's obsessed with the powwow safe. He's like, we gotta find the powwow safe. So they go, he's asking Dennis. Which is ridiculous, because the amount of money they pull out of that room is huge. Yeah, they have so much money. money. There's there's easily, easily more money in that room than there could ever be in that little safe. Well, and it's also at this point that Dennis Farina is basically like, yeah, I know Nick Cassidy. That's not Nick Cassidy. Like, he finally is like, yeah, that's not, and they're like, oh, he's not... And Ben Affleck's like, yeah, I'm not, but I wasn't, I was lying, but I'm not lying about the powwow safe. He's like, the powwow safe is real. It's a real thing. It's behind, like, the liquor cabinet. So they go behind the liquor cabinet in Dennis Farina's office, and there is a safe there. And he's like, open up the safe. I I, I can't. How? How? Wow. So what does Dennis Farina retrieve from the powwow? Couple Mac 10s. (laughs) Yeah. Couple couple Mac 10s. And And just starts shooting. (laughs) Danny Trejo is gone. He just gets wasted immediately by these machine guns. No more night school. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone else takes off. Um, And Ben Affleck, if I remember, is left up in the office with the the other member of the crew. The Black Santa. Merlin. Black Santa. Merlin. Yeah, and they're kind of like fighting over the guns and like the, you don't know which ones are the real which ones are the fake but Ben Affleck ends up with the, the squirt gun again Right. but the guy goes to light up a cigarette with a, he strikes a match and Ben Affleck shoots the liquor on him and the guy lights up like there's no like way like he was soaked in gasoline yeah. oh yeah you know, it's like he was shot with industrial alcohol <laughs> oh you know those Santa suits the polyester he squirts up like twice with the alcohol and the guy lights up like he was like in a fire or something because he's all on fire screaming and he falls out the window and lands on a car and is dead. Which is ridiculous that he falls out of a window <laughs> from the money room. Like yeah. it's like you got an outside wall. Yeah, you think that would be like a bulletproof window? You just bounce off the window. You think you just bounce off the window right and back. fall back down? <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. So, so they come back because Rudy's going to escape. They come back to get him and they take him. And so they go and basically their plan is, hey, we're going to have. There were four Santas, or is it five? Five. 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 Gotta, gotta have, gotta five. have five. five. So they're like, we're going to have you, put you in this car, we're going to drive you off the cliff, you're going to be dead, they're going to find all the dead Santas, we're going to get away. <laughs> but then Ashley makes a critical mistake, and she mentions how Nick was shivved to death, and Ben Affleck's like, I didn't tell you he was shivved, I told you he died, and they go kind of back and forth about this, and Gary Sinise is starting to disbelieve her, and then she shoots Gary Sinise, right? Yeah, she's like, yeah, fuck this, and she shoots him. And that's when we get to the twist ending of this. <laughs> Which you hear someone whistling silver bells, walking amongst the truck. Yeah, and then who should show up but Nick, Nick Cassidy? He sang. He was whistling that in the beginning of the movie, and he's not dead. <laughs> they set the whole thing up. Ashley is really Millie Bobeck, who was the girl that Nick was like his girlfriend before that he like killed the guy to protect when he went to prison. Um, they set the whole thing up. They, he paid Alamo to save him, to stab him. He paid off the prison guards, too. Yeah, like, to, how? They, they prayed, they, he paid off the prison guards to spread the word that he was dead. And this is, like, where I don't get the plot of this movie. This is where it's so circumstantial. Because they, they <laughs> I can't even, I don't even know how to explain what their plan was. They were going to write letters to Nick. Because they wanted to get Gary Sinise and his crew to rob the casino, but they wouldn't do it on his own. They needed confidence. So they're like, I'll tell the stories about the casino to my cellmate. I know my cellmate's going to come out after I'm dead and pretend to be me. Then they'll think he's me. What? And, and he definitely <laughs> listened to everything I said about my former job, too. It's like, it, the, I just, I can't even, like... Well, and then they explain it away by saying, well, what if I didn't stop? And he's like, well, they would have pulled off the job anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, that is true. They're like, well, what if I hadn't stopped? What if I sit in the bus? They're like, no, we would have just done which, it without you. Which is a question I had for JB earlier was, you know, this plan, how long was it in motion? What would Nick have done had his cellmate been black? <laughs> like, <laughs> how does this movie even transpire? Yeah, it's true. Like I said, it's just like, it's a, it's a, I feel like it's a twist for twist's sake. Like, it, they just like, they want to have something at the end, and I just, 
it doesn't work for me at all. I don't know about you guys, but it didn't work. Uh, that was ridiculous. It, it was ridiculous. I, I thought it could have worked a lot better if we just found out ultimately Charlize Theron was just the villain. And I she think that would have made more sense. That would have made more fe- sense if she just turned on Gary Sinise and said, yeah, I'm the bad guy. So so they're still going to kill Ben Affleck. They put him in the car. They, they set it on fire. They're going to drive it off the cliff. That's when the knife comes back, and that's when you get the classic line, which is in the trailer, where he says, never put a car thief behind the wheel, because he cuts his bonds. He hotwires the car. He slams it in reverse and runs in the neck. Breaks Nick's legs. Yeah, and then he drives forward into Charlie's Theron, dives out of the car, and it flies off the cliff with her on it, right? Yeah. Qu- question for you two. If you, you saw this in theaters, how many people clapped, and did you clap? I don't remember. I don't know if there's anyone else in the theater with us. <laughs> I never clap at movies, so I don't know if anyone did. Um, so you think Nick's dead, but he's not. Uh, but he kind of locks him in the back of the truck. He sends it over the side with Nick locked in. So Nick's dead. He picks up the two bags of money. Now, approximately how far away from his hometown in the UP do you think I he think is? I think when he walks by the sign, it's implying that it's only like 20 miles yeah, or something 15, like that. It was like 15 miles. That's yeah. still a long way to walk. Oh, Let's totally. just be clear. It's you cool would not be getting home on Christmas. It's cool because <laughs> he totally doesn't Robin Hood it the whole yeah, way home. He's walking back and every he had the bags of money from the casino and every house he's putting like two giant stacks like of money. $100,000 in each mailbox. In each mailbox on his way home. <laughs> and he, he walks the 50 miles home and he gets home and I think the last shot of the movie is just what he, what, he, what he wanted. He made it home. He got that meal. He's sitting at the table in a bloody Santa costume. And his family's just like, yeah, you just got out of prison. You look totally normal. <laughs> you got out of prison six days ago and nobody's heard from him. Are you supposed to be back in prison now? Or? Yeah, and like, why didn't anyone come to pick him up or anything? Like, he I got mean, on the bus, man. No <laughs> yeah, if no he, he had that much family yeah. that was waiting for him no one came to pick him up. <laughs> Good old Houghton County, Sidnow, Michigan. And and that's then that's the end. The end. The last shot is him like at the dinner I think he table with his a family. Smile too, like yeah, a, yeah, a smirk. Yeah, he just kind of smiles, like ah, oh, I'm home. <laughs> so that's it. That's Reindeer Games. We made it through, guys. Um, I I think it's funny. Uh, and I like that the heavy handed and everyone knows this, but the heavy handed like. Uh, symbolism where he's it's Rudy and Nick like Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer and and Saint Nicholas Nick oh yeah yeah Won't you help me guide my sleigh Rob the Tomahawk Casino I think is where that draws from yeah you're not wrong and um did you see that, that there was like a kind of a kerfuffle with the like original like composer for this did no you see? I didn't yeah I guess him in Franken Franken Frankenheimer something happened where he ended up like leaving the project I didn't know if it was a studio that didn't like the music or something they brought Alan Silvestri on he had a month to score the film wow <laughs> like, they brought him in in January of 2000 to do the score for this film and he got it done and it sounds pretty good like the score is actually pretty decent yeah I mean Silvestri um He's a you know he's a pro dude. He's done so many movies, but I just don't think that's wild that it's like yeah he had a month to score it and he came and he's like okay, you know and that's what's weird about this movie is like it's shot well, it's directed well, but the performances are all terrible. <laughs> the writing's not very good, but like the music's good. The special effects are pretty good. The action's good. <laughs> what limited action I would yeah. argue? There yeah, is there's really movie. not. There's not a ton of. I it. mean, other than the the kind of the whole casino set piece, I would say that you know, like when he's escaping and on the ice, that's okay. But I, I do like the the action in the casino scene. But a lot of it's, other than that, it's kind of all yawn, you know. Yeah, but it's such a weird movie. Like, it could have been something really, really great. Well, and I, and I saw that like, like. When they had the problems with the test screenings and all that stuff, and they didn't really want to do reshoots, they just stuff cut stuff out. Frankenheimer later admitted that he should have been more open to like kind of doing reshoots to fix the problems with the movie. But at the time, he didn't want to do it. But then afterwards, he's like, "Well, yeah, maybe after those disastrous test screenings, we should have reshot or recut or done something to kind of fix it." So, so how much does it, you know? Knowing in two thousand, Ben Affleck's not very well known. People just kind of iffy on him. How much money does this movie make if it's released even just 10 years after, you know, in 2010 or something like that when he really makes a name for himself? That, that's interesting because then you have a much more famous Charlize Theron, too. And I, I will say this. Ben Affleck is a much better actor now than uh, he was. Absolutely. That was my big takeaway. It's I, I'm not a huge Ben Affleck guy, short of, like, the town. <laughs> um, but, God, early Affleck, this was just brutal. 
Yeah, he's really not very good in this. Yeah, it's not it's not great. Yeah, and it is interesting to think that if this movie had been made, you know, like you said years later, would it have been, you know, a better movie? You know, is there a good movie in here and it just needs a few tweaks and like I said, I just don't know cuz I feel like the main plot, the main twist, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Like the conceit about sending the letters and the I mean it's fun to have that reveal, which is what I'm sure they were thinking of, but if you think about it for more than a minute, it's like this plan is could go wrong so many ways. Completely lands on Affleck needs to pretend to be his cellmate. Well, if he just stays on the bus, there is no movie. And Charlie Saren was a I mean they said she was a drink server in Detroit. Yeah. And she's just comes up with all of this, you know, not to not to put down that <laughs> profession, but you know, she be, just becomes a badass. Well, and and why didn't I, and maybe I'm missing this, but why didn't they just have Nick come out who knew about the casino and help him do the heist and then double cross and take the money anyways? Dress him up like a cowboy. You know, I why why couldn't they have just done that? Well, I think they're yeah, you know what? These are all valid questions. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Um, one interesting thing, I mean, it's not interesting, but did you guys see that Alamo was played by a gentleman named Dana He was an NFL lineman. Who was a defensive tackle for the Washington Redskins. His laugh was funny, that whole movie. Because yeah. I think they said they wanted somebody, like, big and imposing, but that could also, like, move. Yeah, and he so. had the big scar over his eye. Right. You know. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, I just I just don't know about this movie. Like, I, I, like you said, I, I, that's an interesting thing to propose if it was made later on. Like, I feel like maybe there's some good elements. Like you said, it's shot well. There's a good pedigree behind it, good music. But I just, the main conceit of it just doesn't work. Well, I, I think even you're you're overlooking one element of this, too, is where it's implied that Charlize Theron was writing letters to Gary Sinise. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, Hi, these gunrunner truckers. Well, no, no, that was the thing, is um, she was a server, a waitress in a bar where the gun runners would go to and that's where she started hearing about these gun runners like wanting to do a job and she was writing to Nick in prison and mentioning that to him and that's where the two of them concocted this plot. However, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this or not, when you send a letter from prison, they read it before you send before they send it. <laughs> Which casino was she serving <laughs> drinks at? It wasn't a casino. Downtown. It was. Uh, I think it was Greek town. <laughs> she no. She was a Detroiter. She was at the Detroiter bar. So, but but like she, she split her time between the Detroiter and Jacoby's. And, oh, and where where were Legends. they? Where were they running guns from? Canada. They were, I, I think guess. they imply that it's from like Atlanta or something because they talk about his route from the yeah, south. So. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. I don't. I just. Don't I, know. I don't know. And they have the hidden compartment in the truck where Without, it's just a wall of guns of and <laughs> a rack of Santa costumes. Like, yep. Yeah. And a car. All right, well, I, I have one role reversal. Okay. And it's not yeah. even that. I, yeah. I, I think you probably know what it yeah, is. Yeah, we saw it, but. So Pug, Donald yeah. Logue, yeah. was originally played by Vin Diesel. Yeah, I saw that, but he like he left, right? Yeah, he he left and decided to do Fast and Furious instead. Okay. Wise career decision. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think in the big scheme of things, that worked out pretty well for I, him. I would say so. What if we cast Donald Logue as Dominic Toretto? <laughs> oh, interesting. Still less crazy to me than finding out that it was supposed to be for um, Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, it was supposed to be Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> that blew my mind. <laughs> Timothy Olfot, Raylan Givens as Dominic Toretto is crazy. All right, you want to read this thing? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, so, yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Who wants to go first? You guys get to choose, or we can go first. Corey, you want to go? <sighs> yeah, I'll just get this over with because, quite honestly, I, I told Joe I'll, I'll share it with you guys now. This, this honestly just felt like a chore watching this movie <laughs> to me. Like we talked about. It's not long either. It's like, like an hour like and forty-four minutes. Visually and sh and shot-wise and production-wise, it's well done. But God, every acting, the script, the the, the acting, the writing, the the dialogue is <laughs> all terrible. I'm giving this half a machine gun. Wow. wow! We're giving a half a clip in the gun. That wow. is real low. That is low. Uh, I'll go next. All right. I am not going to go that low. <laughs> I at least, I enjoy the stupidness of this movie. Um, I definitely don't hate it. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But, you know, boobies and Gary Sinise. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to give it a solid two and a half. Okay. Uh, it's definitely watchable, but, you know, there's some of the, some of the, 
some of the Ben Affleck performance <laughs> is just cringeworthy and it's hard to watch. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give it a two and a half. Uh, I'll go. Uh, I, you know, I'm kind of in between you guys. I I'm not quite as low as Corn Dog, but maybe not where you are. It's not. I hadn't seen it honestly. Like other than maybe one other time from when we saw it in the theaters, I had not seen it in a long time. And it was funny because I didn't remember a lot about it. As soon as I started watching it, and they showed his Nick in prison, I was like, Oh yeah, that's the twist. Is that he's alive at the end? I immediately remembered it. But yeah, it's. I mean, it, it, it's shot well, but it's just it, it's ugly. The, the main plot points don't make any sense. The the one action scene is okay. The rest of it is just kind of like, meh. It's just Ben Affleck like saying he's Nick, saying he's not Nick. I just, it, yeah, it, it's a, it, for an hour and 44 minutes, I felt like it was an eternity. I'm going to go with one and a half machine guns for this. <laughs> you know, we had, um, uh, we had a big discussion about this leading up to, uh, you know, the podcast, how much I really enjoyed this movie, but I think you guys have talked me off the ledge a little bit. Um, now, I, I, I still really enjoy it for this, almost the same reasons uh, as LPJ. You know, I'm going to give it a two. Well, how did you describe this yeah, movie? Yeah, how did you describe this movie to us before you rewatched it? I, I just think it's fun. No, no. How, did you, how did you describe this movie to us? Oh, you're going to have to refresh my memory. You said it it's, was... It's, you like said it was certain, it's like a certain other movie that takes uh, place in the sky. Oh, okay. I knew you were... Oh, okay, yeah. It's like, uh, it's like a poor man's con air, but on land, it's con, con land. <laughs> he told us, wow. he's, like, he's like, this is like, th- before he rewatched it, he's like, he's like, it's like con air on land. It's con land. <laughs> a poor man's Conley. Con Air is way more fun than this movie. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I agree. No, no, without a doubt. But so wow, that's a pretty, pretty sad rating. For, How uh, am I the highest one here? <laughs> yeah, that's wild. That you're the blows highest. my mind. Pretty sure he was the highest one here watching. <laughs> <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> oh, it is Christmas. <laughs> oh well, I, I you know I think we I think we covered it. I think we did a pretty good job. Yeah, you. we're we demolished this movie. We're good. <laughs> you guys want to go demolish some pecan pie? Oh, man. <laughs> I do like pecan pie. I am a big fan of pecan some pie. Hot chocolate too. <laughs> do you do you guys have anything you want to plug at all while you're here? I mean, your past appearances on the Last Action podcast. I'm sure Corey would like to plug something, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Judge Dread and Starship Troopers. Yeah, this Dang. this had the lowest rating of of the three so far. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is by far out of the three the worst we've watched, which is crazy because one of them was Judge Dread yeah. and the other one is Starship Troopers. We haven't watched great movies with you guys. I enjoyed them. I enjoyed the other well, two. At least yeah. the other two, you know, one has Rob Schneider. I mean, yeah, I, I will. Say. I don't know if that's an endorsement or not. But. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, as as always, thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thanks on. for having us, guys. Yeah, man, it's um, always fun to have always you guys. Mer- Merry Christmas once again, everybody. Merry Christmas, <laughs> happy holidays. But please, Joe, I don't want to give you the Charlize Theron advice. I want you to be wearing everything, including a candy cane. <laughs> well, uh, do, do you want to do the business? Yeah, we'll do the business. Okay. Um, yeah, we're Last Action Podcast. We come to you every Monday on the GameZilla Media Network. You can also check us out on pretty much any podcast platform. Uh, please rate us. Give us five stars, thumbs up, whatever it is. We appreciate it. Yep. Check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yep. Follow us. Um, you know, uh, drop us a line. Let us know. We're always looking for movies to watch. So, like, we yeah. say this all the time, but if there's something you want us to cover, leave us a comment on Instagram, Facebook. Let us know, and chances are we'll probably do it. Yeah, if you comment on Instagram, I will respond. <laughs> for sure. I'm always on that Instagram looking at our comments. I will absolutely respond. But, uh, what I mean, what else do people have uh, that they can listen to here on the network, uh, LPJ? Well, you've got, uh, obviously, the flagship show, the GameZilla podcast, right? Uh, which which records live on. We're on Mixer now. Okay, yeah. We do Mixer, and uh, they, they release it on Tuesdays. And then my other favorite show on the <laughs> network is the other show that I'm on, Noobs yeah. and Dragons, right? Where I get to play Dungeons and Dragons with with Sphinx and Matrick <laughs> on stage, our streamer and our Dungeon Master Extraordinaire, Craig WK. Right, that's awesome. Yep, and then we got Chops on games on uh, Legend of Retro, also right. with Craig. Right, and and uh, uh, Glitch and Xander, who's on there. Yep, uh, and then we got Noiseland Arcade, uh, our Simpsons podcast, which Indeed. comes out on Sundays. Yep, and they are plowing through. Let's see, by now they're probably into season four. Wow, yeah, Simpsons episode by episode. Yep, so lots of stuff. Uh, 
please support us on Patreon. That yep. gives us uh, the opportunity to give you more stuff, like the post credit scene. Right, our, our our monthly Patreon show, which, as we say before, um, <laughs> we get into deeper in the topics. You know, we cover movies, individual movies on the show, but in the post credit scene, we get into deeper, you know, summer blockbusters, Batman movies, you know, different kind of things. We kind of delve deeper into specific topics and not just individual movies. So it's a lot of fun to check out. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so... Merry Christmas to yeah, everybody. Merry Christmas, everyone. Corndog JB, thank, thank you for yeah, being thanks here. Thanks so much. Thank you. Any yeah. closing thoughts from you? No, just a happy new year to everybody as well. Happy yeah, new, new year, year indeed. We're yes. gonna be taking uh we're gonna be taking a week off uh after this episode. You won't we are not gonna have a New Year's Eve New Year's Day episode, uh, New Year's Eve episode. Uh so you can catch us again the first week of the new year. Um but for now, we're just gonna say Merry Christmas. We're not even gonna do the normal closing because well, I'm yeah. I'm just gonna do this. Yeah, we'll just say Merry Christmas. Beautiful. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow.